Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. are again with episode 10 i think we're at number 10 number nine uh, yes number 10? Number yeah, 10. look at number 10 of masters of horror season one this episode is sick girl directed by lucky mcgee mcgee i always want to say mcgee but it's not it's mcgee and written by sean hood now both of these men have interesting resumes i'd say uh, Sean Hood is the screenwriter who, who wrote a lot of horror, including Cube 2, which, if you were going to make a sequel to Cube, I don't know, it's as good a sequel to Cube as you could do. Um, Halloween Resurrection, which is the Halloween movie that most people put at their bottom of the list, except for you and me, who end up having it, I think, at a higher point. Why would you put something that good at the bottom exactly, of the list? Exactly, I'm with you on that. Uh, <laughs> and the remake of Conan the Barbarian, which I enjoy the heck out of, and I know a lot of people do not, but not everybody has taste. <laughs> This is directed by Lucky McKee, who by at this point in his career had really just done um, All Cheerleaders Must Die and May. And mm-hmm. since then has also done The Woman, uh, Red, which I forget about because Red's actually very good. The Woods and – wait, I said All Cheerleaders – yeah. Oh, no, he did a short – the short version of, I guess, All Cheerleaders Die and then he actually made it into a feature-length film later. So really at this point in his career, he had just done May. So, um, your thoughts on Lucky McKee? I don't like The Woods. That is a movie I've seen. It's not very good. It's just boring, I think. Yeah, it was pretty boring. Um, I have not seen May since I saw May, which Mm. is a long time ago. 2002 is when it came out. Yeah. So, I probably saw it 2006, maybe? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I, I honestly don't know if I would still like it. Um, Did you love it when you saw it? I liked it. Yeah. When I saw it. I I feel like I was just talking to Brandon about this of how I think May was a really important movie to a lot of female horror fans of our generation. Mm -hmm. Um, Not so much me. I think I saw it a little bit later and I I liked it, but it didn't didn't fully hit with me. But I know a lot of women who really love (laughs) May. And And I realize why, which is it was a... It was a genre movie, and it was about a woman in a way that most 
horror films are not, where it was yeah. actively about this ca- this character, the problems she was going through, her anxiety, all of these things that you just and it wasn't about her being sexy, it wasn't about her being a final girl, all of that. And I that that is rare still in horror. I think you've seen mm-hmm. it a little more, especially with more female horror filmmakers in the past years. But I do think it was a bit of a breath of fresh air at the time. Um. Yeah. I. I, I get that. I think. I don't. I. I don't remember. I don't remember. I just know that I wasn't like. I wasn't like. This is the movie that mm-hmm. defines my relationship with the genre. Like sure. I didn't feel that way about it. Yeah. Me, me and, neither. But no. I mean, I'm in. But that is again to go further. I other than in the woods, which I just watched literally this year like i just watched it um i haven't seen anything else you directed you didn't see the woman i thought you did Mm-mm. okay Mm-mm. um I, I know you have yeah i've seen both the woman and red um both of which are jack ketchum adaptations kind of um so red was was is directly based on a jack ketchum novel and it's very good it's brian cox um oh wait have i seen that? it's like john wick but not with keanu reeves or a lot of action it's also about a guy whose dog is murdered, and it's so he dog takes vengeance. One. Yeah, it's a dog one. Oh, I didn't like that movie. Okay. So, I don't know if I like him, which is fine. I'm not saying he's bad. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't have to like everything. Um, but I didn't, I don't connect with it for mm-hmm. some sure. reason. It's, what's interesting, I don't know, I think, I don't love him. I think the woman, um, a lot of people love the woman. I think the woman is okay to good. The problem with viewing the woman is that it is... Um, there was a, a film called Offspring, which was based on a Jack Ketchum novel, and it's terrible. It's a very low budget. It's not very good. Um, the Woman is essentially a sequel to that, not based directly on a Ketchum work, but it's that character. And it's just made so much better with such better production values mm-hmm. and does some things very interesting. And Pollyanna McIntosh is the woman, and she is incredible and incredibly underrated, I think, as, a, as an actress. Um, so... I don't know. The woman kind of tries to do things, and I don't know that it, it's as good at doing them as a lot of people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. But I think it's okay. I think I don't. I don't know. Like I'm waiting for Lucky McKee to really do something where I'm like, yes, you are as interesting a filmmaker as I as other people find you to be. I don't know that I do yet, but I I, I support him. Um, I haven't seen all cheer, cheerleaders die, so I, I don't know much about it. He seems to be. I don't know. I, I appreciate that he seems to like making movies about women. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, May is not perfect, but I think there is a a very strong respect for that character, which I, and I think you see that kind of translate a little bit over here, which is really the first thing he makes after May. May is 2002, and then his next credit is Masters of Horror 2006. I, yeah, I, uh... I want. I think it's a case for me where I want to like it because it is his, his, what he what what seems to interest him is something that I'm glad interests somebody. Sure. But like I don't know. It's just maybe the way in which uh, stories are told don't really do anything. And mm-hmm. I know that you've said stuff. You've you've piqued my curiosity about the woman. And I like Pollyanna Mac- Macintosh a lot. I don't know. I just never. I don't, I don't know if I care. And that that sounds shitty, but, like, at some point in, like, your movie, like, fandom life, like, you have to be like, well, I don't know if I care about this. No, There's so you, much to you watch. You can make choices. Yeah. It's, yeah. As Tatiana would say, choices. Choices. And I I agree with that 
in every area of entertainment. I was thinking about that. Um, I read not too long ago, I read some Hemingway. What did I read? I think I read The Sun Also Rises, maybe? Because it was one of those, like, oh, I've never read Hemingway. I should read Hemingway. Every literary person reads Hemingway. And I read one book by him. I'm like, you know, I don't think I ever have to read Hemingway again. And yeah. I will die happy. I am not going to be less of a person because I've decided I don't need to read Hemingway. And I think it's similar with with movies. And even as particular as genre film, where there's a lot of it out there. Even even in a quarantine, even with you having all of these extra hours of a day that you didn't previously have, where you can say, you know what, I'm going to watch every horror movie made from 2006 to 2020, you s- still you can still choose, you know. But I'm not going to make watch the ones about women tied up in basements. Yeah. Oh wait, that knocked out half of them. What do I do now? <laughs> so then there are people who are completists, and there is one point where I was like, even if I don't, I don't think I'm going to like this, or if I don't, if it makes me uncomfortable, I'm still going to watch it. Mm-hmm. I think there, I think a lot of like like fans of something go through phases like that. Sure. Like I am a completist. I must watch everything. I don't, but I don't need to do no, that. I'm I with guess. you. Although, well, well, except for Masters of Horror. <laughs> Well, that's different. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's tell everybody about Sick Girl. So this, um, the uh, another, uh, an un- unusual episode. I think this yes. is definitely very distinctly different from the rest of them. The way yes. a few of them have kind of stood out as having a certain storytelling style or a certain narrative, whatever it is. This one definitely has a uniqueness to it. So yes. tell everybody the story of Sick Girl. Sick Girl is um, an, one of our few episodes that uh, center on a female protagonist, like, and actually do. Yes. Um, and that would be Angela Bettis, who you might know from May, but also a lot of other stuff. Um, she was a Carrie, she, a skinny, another skinny Carrie in the skinny Carrie universe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I mean, if you look at her filmography, she's in stuff I forgot she was in. Yeah, did a lot but, of that um, too. Yeah. So, like, you know, she's she's in it, and she likes bugs and she's a bug girl and she studies bugs and it's got a lot of bug themes in it and also she is gay and like actively seeking a relationship with a woman which is odd even now in television (laughs) i feel like this this was progressive then Mm -hmm. remains progressive in that sense which is sad honestly so she uh, meets a girl, and they go out on dates, and it's adorable and sweet. Or date, really. It's adorable and sweet and very awkward and still very sweet, but also there's, like, a murderous bug, a predatory murderous mm-hmm. bug. And it, hilarity ensues. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. I mean, oh. it's, it's not... It, so my favorite thing about short form storytelling i think you have to strike a balance between being super high concept and also being essentially about nothing right or being very focused about i have one story to tell and i don't really have time to linger on the details or add in anything extra and this and this does that i think very well it isn't about much but it is so high concept Mm -hmm. Like it's about this weird, bizarre species of bug <clears throat> that that like alters the DNA of 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 its prey and like kill like hunts mammals and 
it's weird and but you don't really get much about it which i like like i did too i don't, I don't want that because it's not it's not I about the it. bug it's yeah. about the people well and it does i think it's very smart in a lot of ways in the way it's structured because it is. It's this mysterious bug shows up at her apartment. And she, she people send her bugs. So it's not that unusual. But this is a bug unlike anything else. It has essentially parasitically attached to her new girlfriend. And, you know, spoiler alert, you find out at the very end. Oh, it because there's a very quick. You don't get much about who this kind of mystery woman is. You know, she's kind of strange. She hangs out in the lobby of this university lab. Um but very quickly we learn, oh yeah, her father is a famous entomolo- entomologist, entomologist, famous bug doctor. That bug doctor, yeah. And the very end, you find out, oh, and he sent the bug because it turns out this young woman always had a crush on uh, Angela Bettis. And so he sent it to kill Angela Bettis. Instead, it killed her daughter, kind of. And then it takes over both of them, but they seem happy and they get to have bug babies and that's kind of great <laughs> it, it's a happy ending i think in, in its own weird very weird way um our there are i guess what two two uh two victims two deaths of people that don't really deserve it yes it is it is bleak in a lot of ways but it it doesn't it doesn't present the certain thing it doesn't like it's not mean you know mm-hmm. we talk about that a lot like it's it's bleak and it sucks and there's there's one death in particular that like sucks and and i i but i wasn't mean no, no. i don't know there's a way to do these things and like like may not make them these heavy huge life events but give them some kind of weight and and i think that manages to happen and, i agree this, the story has weight, and it's not frivolous, and it's not mean. It's grounded. It, you know what? It cares about its characters. It cares and, about its characters, and you have two incredibly likable actresses yeah. playing these characters. Well, her Angela Bettis's fr- friend, doctor friend, bug friend that works with her, that arguably terrible man, is is still like like likable. I don't know. It's it's weird to see things where everyone's not a dislikable asshole because we, we're so used to it with this series. Be, and because when you're gonna dispatch your characters, I think that some people either don't want to make likable characters because what's the point, right. or or are like, oh well, it'll be easier for everyone to swallow if this is just a dick. Yes. So we'll just get rid of these these assholes. But then, like, what's the point? Then it's like the the broken slasher formula. Now you're just watching someone run around killing six people who you hate. Yeah, and I think a chunk of it is that it it really does for a whatever this is fifty seven <clears throat> minute episode. It really takes the effort to let, and it really does center on Angela Bettis's character. And it lets her be a human being. It gives us enough of her in her work life, in her friend life, in her dealing with her neighbor and landlady, right? Even with those interactions, Mm -hmm. we understand who this woman is really easily, very quickly. She is, I mean, obviously very smart, very weird, um, is socially awkward because kind of the thing she loves is something that society doesn't really support. Mm -hmm. She seems to have one friend who is kind of kind of a douchey guy but it's clearly a good friend like yeah. he's giving her bad advice occasionally but but he wants her to 
get lucky. Like, he's there to say, like, well, here's what you should do for a date if you actually want to keep the chick around. And and when she calls him in the middle of the night with an emergency, he immediately gets out of bed and goes to her, which is a nice thing of a person to do. And I think it helps to humanize her, too, because, you know, so how many times do you watch a movie, and you, especially a horror movie, where you're like, I have a hard time believing that these are your friends because you're supposed to be a character I like, but if you were really a good person, you wouldn't spend time with these awful human beings that are terrible yeah. for the world. So there's that. And when you meet, you know, this mysterious young woman who is just as awkward as she is, it's just adorable. Like it really is this sweet, like awkward first date that you're just sitting there like kind of rooting for like oh no 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 she likes you no no don't you get it she likes you like it's it's done really well it's it's very cute and it's very i i i both enjoy and lament that it's in a in in a story like this because Mm. you're you're watching a masters of horror so you you know (laughs) you know that something's coming so but like it's it's sad because I just want to see these two people. I guess I just want to see like a like a quirky romantic comedy with two likable characters. I mean, you kind of get that, right? The ending. I think I took the ending as being a happy ending. Yeah, I I did and I didn't. Um, I the body horror, like the physical stuff in this, disturbs me too. Um, intense levels. It's good. Even, this might be some of the best, I think, visuals of any of these episodes. Um, it's this one. I love this one. It's the same amount that it makes me uncomfortable. So that's <laughs> I, I've seen. This is the third time I've seen this one now um, because it is. It, I watched it right out the gate when we, we I first got the box set like a long time ago, and it was one that always stuck with me. And I rewatched <laughs> it, and obviously it would stick with somebody because it is extremely unusual. Yeah. Both um, in its subject matter, in its visual mm-hmm. style. I think this is only practical effects. I don't know that they do like any real CGI in this one. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. It's good. And it's an efficient story. I do think that there is a poetry that is both sad and not sad to the fact that her dad sent a bug to kill or to hurt Angela Bettis. Yeah. And it only ended up bringing them closer but also the bug is essentially controlling them so they lo- lose their autonomy. Yeah, if you need to think about it that way. <laughs> I don't I don't need to. That's just that's the story. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, but I guess this is one of those cases and I, and I know I'm guilty of doing this with <laughs> stories where I want a certain ending. It doesn't take a lot for me to overlook a detail if it makes my life happier. <laughs> No, and I get that because there there is a reading on it that is like the the she um there is an allusion to the fact that her father is like a, like a homophobe and doesn't like that his his little girl is gay and in love with one of his students like and so that's why he wants to ruin Angela Bettis's life essentially yeah. by sending her this poison bug and like in the end it only solidified their their gay ass bond mm-hmm. which which I which I love, but yeah. like I don't know. There's there is there is more sinister stuff there because that bug is still an asshole. The bug is an asshole. You're right. And the bug bug clearly made. I cannot think. Misty is her name in, in this. The bug clearly made Misty an asshole yes. and like dangerous yes, and stuff. You're right. So like so when we were watching it, like, this again not my first watch, but it was Zach's first watch. He was like, oh, this is like a like an old Tales from the Crypt, like an old EC Comics horror story, and it really it feels does play that, that way. way. Yeah. 
And I, when, when you frame it like that, I was like, oh, I wish they had opened that. Well, I think a few of them have been. I think, thinking back, like, to me, Fair-Haired Child reads that way a bit. Yeah. And I, I think Incident on and Off a Mountain Road does, too. Because yeah. it's that same kind of, you know, setup, 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 last minute rug pull out, uh, twist ending of a sort. And I think the three of those, and I think arguably three of these stronger entries, uh-huh. all... Uh-huh kind of get that like it, it, right. it, it's the ingredients of what makes a shorter form horror storytelling work and it's not a really elaborate globe-trotting story it's really more a matter of taking the limited time you have and making it work and then making it memorable giving it that thing that you watch and feel satisfied and say oh there there was a there was a good reason for that to be exactly what it was and what format mm-hmm. it was yeah, so you said you said fair-haired child, this, and... Incident on and off, a mountain road. Uh, so those all arguably have a happy ending, a sub- somewhat subversive happy ending, and kind of read like a fable. Mm. So I really think that, that those are the qualities that that make it feel that way. Because like there are there is something to those old... EC comics that I mean my mom had a huge book of them and I used to read them like there's one where like a ghoul and a vampire fall in love and the ghoul decides they get trapped and the ghoul eats her own flesh and the vampire drinks his own blood so they don't have to hurt each other and it's like this beautiful poetic but it's still like obviously creepy and disturbing so I think there 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 are aspects of that in in these ones that are successful I think you really I think you really Mm. Crack the case. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoiler the next episode that we talk about might have qualities I, of that as I well. Would say. Yeah. <laughs> the were you for I I had heard the name but I wasn't overly familiar with her. Were you familiar with Misty Mundy or Erin Brown? Um, when I first watched it, yes. Okay, but I don't just because she's done a lot of low budge. Yeah, like, she did. I guess a lot of like low budget softcore. Right, it was kind of yeah. her thing. And, like, the type of stuff you might have seen sold at, like, a convention, like the... Right. Uh, one, a, a title that springs to mind, I don't think she was in it, but of this ilk would be, like, the Bear Wench prob- Project, <laughs> which is, like, Blair Witch. But, like, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... It looks like she's still working, so good for her. Yeah. And but. she's... I could see why, like, I think her appeal was very specific, that it was this, like, oh, yeah, she's like, taking her clothes off and doing you know, nudie flicks, but that there's like this sweet earnestness to her. Yeah. And like, she's incredibly adorable in this episode. Like you just, you really, you, she's just cute. Like she's really cute and you want it she, to work. She is. And it's not like there is nudity, but it's not, it, it's not lecherous. No, it feels right. It feels like you are seeing what you should see on this date. It's cute and awkward yeah. and like, yeah, great. It's on, a pay cable station to like do something you couldn't do on Fox. Like, right, like right. great, do it. But like, <sighs> there are ways in which. So I really feel like this one did, even if there were a couple things where I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. It did so much right. Yeah. That like, I don't care about the stuff. It might not have done great. Yeah. And I think also it, coming late in the season when you've had so many other episodes that did so much wrong yeah can you imagine this story in the hands of john landis uh no i i wonder if like 
they were like, okay, horror anthology show. And people were specifically like, well, I want to make a Tales from the Crypt. Right. I don't know. It's just so weird that they're not all like that. Yeah. Because they, yeah, they kind of should have been in a way or. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But this, this was a, a good one. This I had watched years ago, I think when it aired, um, I remember it being like, good but not so much of my thing probably because i wanted more like straight horror i guess mm-hmm. not like straight like heterosexual no i didn't take it that straight, way like traditional you. just figured yeah. i should be clear on this episode in particular um but i think it's aged well i think it even the the politics of it being directed by to my knowledge a heterosexual man telling a story about gay women i think it works at least from my heterosexual woman point of view like it feels like he's treating them respectfully and honestly and this is their dynamic and it makes sense and all of those things that I think could have aged really badly to me do don't um so that was pleasant too to see yeah yeah for sure I was kind of worried about that because I knew that was obviously a large plot point but hadn't not having watched it in I don't know eight years I I was like I wonder if this is gonna suck I wonder if it's gonna be really crappy but it really isn't and I think I think what it comes down to is to is to say straight white dudes, which is what I assume Lucky is by looking at his pictures and what I've no limited knowledge. I assume that is is who this person is. It, to say like, oh, that type of person can't write anything but straight white men. That's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. That's we'd be we'd all be assholes if we really be- believed that. But the problem is, so many people have no business writing characters to begin with. And yes. I don't believe, I don't believe that the, 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 the folks that have writing credits on this, uh, lucky as well as the gentleman's name that you said, I don't believe that these people have no business writing characters. They can clearly craft empathetic, likable yeah. characters that they themselves care enough about to give good story arcs. I don't like, if everybody could do that, then maybe you yeah. people wouldn't be so up in arms about like, why is a white dude writing this Janet Jackson biopic or something? Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I, but like I, people don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not. So that's why the immediate like, oh, this this straight seeming white dude is is writing these lesbian characters. Why didn't you let a lady do that? I don't know. Like it was done pretty well. Yeah. So thanks thanks Lucky in 2005 2006 for doing that because still no one's doing it in mainstream media. This is true. Yeah. So is this a recommend from you? Yes. I do like this one quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it aged well. If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you are thinking do I need to watch it again? This is one of the ones I would watch again. Yeah, it's it there were a couple things where I was like, ooh, this might get a little... But it it, it has aged really well. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything more to say about Sick Girl? No. I like it. It's good. <laughs> uh, with that being said, we will say goodbye. And when next you hear about us, it will be on Larry Cohen's Pick Me Up. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, there ain't no bugs on me. There ain't no bugs on me.
may be bugs on the rest of you mugs, but there ain't no bugs on me. Some of you must, but there ain't no bugs on me. 